Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler, and I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. It is still March of 2020. Uh, We are in week two of shelter-in-place orders here in Collin County as a result of COVID-19. And I guess we've been dealing with uh, the restrictions that have come out. We've been dealing with this for about three maybe four weeks now. Uh, Things around us continue to be up in the air. Uh, Government officials continue to tell us what they recommend that we do. Um, We haven't been able to meet together as a church uh, for several weeks now, and we really don't know exactly how long that's going to last. We hope it won't last very much longer. Uh, But um, I hope that our time in worship that's been you know, online has been encouraging and helpful to you. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to try to uh, get better at doing that uh, and and also uh, send out these kind of things like this podcast to just be a source of encouragement for us in the midst of what we're dealing with. Because so many different things are up in the air. Um, I don't know about you, but I need some encouragement. I need to be, I need to put on gospel lenses again so that I don't just get bogged down in the details of what's happening in this world, but uh, we can remember what's happening um, in, in the universe. We can remember what God has done and what God is doing for us as his people. And so, what I want to do for the next couple of weeks is just talk to you about some of the passages that have come to my mind as I've thought about this. Um, I'm sure you've thought the same way. Just passages of Scripture uh, that come to your mind as you think about the discouraging times. Uh, things, Passages you turn to for hope and encouragement in the midst of you know, difficult situations. Well, one of those that comes to my mind is from 1 Peter chapter 1. And it comes to my mind because a couple of years ago, I was preaching through 1 Peter. And this opening passage where Peter talks about the hope that we have as Christians, what he calls our living hope. I just remember preaching through that, studying through that, memorizing it, and it just being incredibly helpful to me to just give me a scope of understanding what God has done for us as believers. And and so no matter what we're dealing with in this life, whether it's persecution or just the trials of living in a Genesis 3 world, these truths can hold our hearts fast and firm. Um, So let me read this passage to you, and and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this. This is from 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Peter writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, all of this, you rejoice. Now, many of you have probably heard or maybe even read the opening uh, introduction to John Piper's book on missions. The, The title of the book is Let the Nations Be Glad. There's, there's one powerful paragraph, and it, and it goes like this. He says this, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Now, he's writing a book on missions, but he wants us to understand from the outset that missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. 
Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Now that's a powerful, powerful paragraph from Piper. The the worship of God is the ultimate goal of the church. It is the ultimate goal of our life. And when Peter writes in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is calling us to worship. Uh, He's calling us to bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word bless means to worship or to praise. It means to express gratitude toward God and to express joy in what he has done. So when Peter writes this, he's, he's calling us to express our gratitude for what God has done in worship, right? So we're to worship him because of what he done and he's done. And then Peter goes on to tell us what God has in fact done for us. He tells us why we should worship God. We should worship God because of who he is. He, he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should worship him because he's the one who has given us hope in Christ. We should worship him because he has shown us great mercy. We should worship him because he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He's given us a living hope. And we should worship him because of the inheritance that he has promised us. Now, there's a lot here. So let's take these things in turn. And we're not going to get to all of it this week, but just a few of the things that we see here. Let's take these in turn. Let's understand why we should worship God and where our hope comes from. So number one, we worship God because he has given us hope in Christ. Now, hope is such an important thing for us, especially now. Um, It's easy for us to allow our hope to shift away from the things that God has done in us and done for us. Um, But we need hope desperately. There's There's an old quote, an old saying that a man can live three weeks without food, three days without water, and three minutes without air, but he cannot live three seconds without hope. Hope by itself is a powerful thing. But our hope in Christ is the most amazing hope there is. Our hope is made up of the work of God. It's made up of the flesh and bone of Jesus that came back from the dead. You see, our hope is in Christ himself, not just in an idea. It's in Christ himself who lived and died and rose to live again. But we need to remember that we didn't always have this hope. Ephesians 2 reminds us that at one time we were without hope in this world. Before God brought us to Christ, we were dead in our sins and we had no hope of saving ourselves from the wrath to come. But now in Christ Jesus, we have a living hope. And and he is our Lord, Peter says, which indicates that we aren't simply dabbling in religion, but we are submitting to Jesus Christ as Lord. And so we worship God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We worship him because he is God. But we also worship him because he has done this work that has made Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord. So we worship God because he has given us hope through Christ or in Christ. And the second thing we see in verse 3 here is that we worship God because he has shown us great mercy. Now, the definition of mercy is a kindness 
shown to someone when it is within you know, one's power to punish them. So for God to show us mercy, it means that he is withholding from us the punishment that we rightly deserve, the wrath that we rightly deserve. See, the truth about the gospel, at least the, the bad news that precedes the good news, is that God owes us nothing but judgment for our sin. And yet, he shows us mercy in that he holds back that judgment from us. God's mercy is the divine restraint that keeps him from unleashing the righteous wrath that our rebellion de- demands. Now, notice in the text that God's mercy toward us is not just a, a normal mercy, it's a great mercy. There's a superlative nature to this. We are the recipients of the abundant mercy of God. Our God is merciful, and this means that His desire and His ability to withhold what we deserve is like a storehouse. It's it's full. It's overflowing all the way to the top and just overflowing. See, God is full of mercy toward us. And if you're a believer in Christ today, it's because God has withheld His wrath. He has shown mercy to you. And the Bible tells us that he will never run out of this mercy. And we praise him for this. We praise God. We worship God for his great mercy. But there's another side of the coin when it comes to mercy, and it gives us more reason to praise God. Divine justice demands that our sin be punished, which means that for God to withhold punishment from us is to short-circuit his justice unless that punishment the punishment that we deserve is poured out on another. And that's where the gospel becomes, it goes from being bad news to being good news because that's where Jesus steps in. Jesus facilitates God showing us mercy. This is what makes the gospel so beautiful. Jesus stepped in to receive the justice of God that we deserved. He bore the wrath for you and me so that we could be free. And so we worship God for his great mercy, understanding that Jesus and his work on the cross is what makes that mercy possible for us. So we worship God because he's given us hope through Christ. We worship God for his great mercy. We also worship God for our new birth. On account of God's mercy, he has caused us to be born again, Peter tells us. Now, that phrase born again, it's something we're we're accustomed to because we've just heard it many times. But the first time we really hear about this idea of new birth, it comes from Jesus in John chapter 3. He's having this conversation with uh, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. uh, And he tells Nicodemus that in order for him to see the kingdom of God, he must be born again. And then there's some confusion about what that actually means. But theologically, we understand that when we were born, when we were born physically, when we were uh, born in our first birth, if you will, we were stamped with the image of Adam, right? We, we were born with a sinful nature. We were born separated from God. We were born strangers to the covenants and promises of God. We were born in sin. But this new birth that Jesus is talking about is a birth that comes about as a result of the Spirit working in us. And this new birth doesn't stamp us with the image of Adam. It emblazons us with the image of Christ. Uh, The new birth is given to us as a gift from God. He is the cause of our new birth, and He works it in us through the Spirit. And, And we need to be born again because the Bible teaches us that by our nature, we're dead in our sins. 
This is what our first birth in Adam gave to us. We need to be brought from death to life. And Paul tells us how this happens. He tells us about it in in Titus 3. He writes this in Titus 3 and verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Right? Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, the language that Paul uses in Titus is very similar to the language that Peter uses here. And it's a reminder, we weren't born again because of our good works. It was all the mercy of God. The mercy of God fueled our new birth. The the new birth is not the result of our prayer. It's not the result of our baptism. It's not the result of our trip down the aisle to talk to the pastor. The new birth is the work of the Holy Spirit in us, right? That's why we call it a work of God's mercy. The Spirit brings life where there was death. He opens our eyes to see the truth of the gospel that we hadn't seen before. He gives us a new heart of flesh, replacing the heart of stone. And and the result of all of this work that God has done in us is that we now possess new life and we will respond from that new life with faith and repentance. Faith and repentance aren't the cause of our new birth. They are the evidence of it. And that means if, if these things that we do, these, our response is faith and repentance, but all of this is evidence of the work that God has already done in us, then we should worship God for our new birth. We don't look to ourselves for that. So we worship God because He's given us hope in Christ. We worship God because He's shown us great mercy. We worship God because of the new birth that He has wrought within us. But we also worship God because He has given to us a living hope. Now, this is kind of the, the keystone of this passage here. And uh, we have to ask the question, what does Peter mean when he tells us that we have a living hope? Well, what he means is that the source of our hope is not an idea. It is a person. And this whole thing would have been especially important to Peter. right? So the living hope that we have comes to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, why is that so important to Peter? Well, let's think about Peter for a little bit. Um, Perhaps you remember that before Jesus's crucifixion, Peter was the bold apostle. He was the bold disciple. He was the one who boldly claimed that he would stay by Jesus's side, even though all of the other disciples ran away and abandoned him. But the reality was that Peter ran away as well, right? He said, I will never deny you. I will die with you. But that's not what happened. In the middle of the night, as Jesus was undergoing his um, in, intense inquiry, you can call it that, right? When he's being questioned by the Sanhedrin, when, when all of that is taking place, Peter is still there, but then he begins to get fearful and he denies Jesus. In other words, he failed his best friend. He failed to keep his promise, even though he was bold to say that he would never fail. And then what happened? Well, Jesus died. Before Peter had a chance to make it right, Jesus died. And so the crucifixion robbed Peter of his hope. But the resurrection of Jesus brought new hope to Peter. It was a life changer for Peter. So on the morning when the resurrection occurred, this was on a Sunday morning, and the girls, um, the ladies that followed, the girls came running in because they had just come back from the tomb, and they told Peter and the rest of the disciples that the tomb was empty and that they had heard from an angel, right? And you can imagine what this did to Peter's heart. 
His, his hopes had been dashed to pieces, but this news was enough to cause hope to flicker in his heart again. Right? So Peter heard this news, and then he flew out the door, and he was running to the tomb because he had to see for himself that the tomb was empty. He had to see for himself. And when he finally saw Jesus, his hope was restored. But it was a whole new kind of hope. It wasn't a false hope. It wasn't a misplaced hope. It wasn't a blind hope. It wasn't you know, a, a fond hope. It was a living hope. Peter's hope was not based on an idea. It was based on a person. And that person was Jesus, and that person was alive. He, he had been dead. He had died, but he was no longer dead. He was alive. And so when Peter writes to us about our living hope, he's writing to his, about his own personal experience. Peter's hope is alive because his hope is in Jesus, and Jesus is alive. And so here's what that means for us. We, too, have that living hope. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And our hope is alive. Now, sure, there's, there's a lot going on in our world right now. And, and it's easy for us to forget what God has done for us through Jesus. It's easy for us to let our hope fade a little bit, or even a lot. But passages like this put our real-world difficulties into eternal perspective. Yes, our lives have been sort of turned upside down due to coronavirus, but God truly turned our, our lives and our eternity upside down when He began to work in our hearts through the gospel. Yes, there's much for us to think about and plan for with all that's going on, but we can't forget about the mercy that God has shown to us and continues to show to us. We can't lose sight of the fact that we were born into this fallen world, but we've been born again into in order to prepare us for the world that is to come. This world and all of its trials are not the ultimate expectation for us. We have a living hope in a living Savior who died but rose again. And we have an inheritance that is to come that we can hardly wrap our minds around. Now that's what we're going to look at next week. But I hope that going back into 1 Peter and, and thinking about our living hope, our gospel hope has given you a little bit of encouragement today. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play or whatever is your favorite podcast catcher. And in that way, you can stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you so much for listening.